And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hey folks, welcome into On to Waveland, it's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I am Brett Taylor, joined by Sahada Sharma and Patrick Mooney. It's the Fabian cast! Yeah, you get if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you'll hear about it or you'll see it uh, everywhere in the coming days. Um, so we'll we'll touch on that, but of course we'll touch on Cubs Reds. Um, two, I think, very. How would I describe? Not it's not just that they were good games to open the series because of course the Cubs did drop one of them, but they were they're meaningful games. I will go with yeah, meaningful. Um, especially I like the contrast that you set up, uh, Sahadev with Hunter Green going last night uh, for the Reds, a very heralded pitching prospect, one of the best in baseball coming into this year. And he's, he's having a lot of, uh, adjustment curves thrown at him. Whereas guys like Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele were never considered t- top tier prospects around baseball, but they are coming into their own increasingly. So we'll get into that. Uh, maybe we will, you know what? No, no, we'll save Fabian for the end. We'll save him for the end of the pod. Um, so let's start there with the pitchers because I think, like I said, it's it's meaningful to continue to see progress from Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele as we saw last week and the week before. Uh, Steele's been on a bit of a hot run for a while. Keegan Thompson, it's now three very good-looking starts in a row. Um, you know, what do, what do we think both about their performance in the moment and the extent to which it not changes the trajectory of the planning for next season, but perhaps, I mean, I have a thought on which way it cuts in terms of what the Cubs do in free agency on the pitching side, but I'm curious if you guys think what I'm thinking. So yeah, talk maybe big picture about the impact of those guys. Well, I think, you know, in general, it, it just kind of shows a lot of what I've written and what we've talked about in the sense that we gotta we gotta pull back on like making sweeping judgments on these guys after a really bad stretch or even a really good stretch. But you know, we're three months into the season. Uh, I think Justin Steele has gotten pretty close to saying like, okay, this guy can start major league games, right? What type of pitcher he can be and where you want to slot him in your rotation is is always the question, right? Uh, I think it, another thing that Cubs fans really need to embrace and understand is if you have good player development, if you're finally developing pitching, the be-all, end-all isn't top 100 lists, okay? You, you can't just say, well, they have no talent in the system because where's all the pitchers in the top 100 list? First of all, pitchers in the top 100 list, like that's much more risky than... A, a top 10 pitcher is much more risky than a top 10 position player, right? It, when you're talking about uh, elite talents at the top of a list, right? You can feel pretty good that if you have a top 10 position player, you have a guy that's that could be pretty great. Uh, I think the top 
two or three pitchers entering the season are all hurt. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to be, uh, what what that how that impacts their their future. But it completely they're just it's really hard to develop pitching and and to know what a pitcher is going to be. And I think Justin Steele going up against Hunter Green and looking uh, clearly like the better pitcher in that matchup is just, a you know, an, an interesting juxtaposition of Hunter Green, number two overall pick, triple digits, heat. Uh, can't really command his stuff yet, right? I'm not saying he's not going to be like uh, Justin Steele is a better pitcher in the long term. Uh, you know, Hunter Green, as long as he can look, get his command, could be a thorn in the Cubs' side for years to come. But Justin Steele never ranked. I don't even know if he was a top 10 Cubs prospect ever uh, and is now like fighting for a rotation spot and looks like a bright spot in what's been a brutal season. And you have to just kind of embrace that you – you can't just look at a pedigree when it comes to developing prospects and, and you can't make a rush to judgment. Uh, we have to see what these guys can be and what they can become when given the opportunity. And if there's one thing about these injuries, it's given all these guys an opportunity and Keegan and, and Justin Steele have really uh, run with it. I know Steele's been there from the start, but Keegan as well. Uh, and we can get more into him, but that's both of these guys have looked very good. I know it doesn't look like a dominant start or something like that from Steele, but getting five, six innings from guys as you beef up your team, that's something that Ross kind of went out of his way to say, like, we have better defense. Maybe he goes six or seven innings. And and I think that's another aspect that you, you have to consider with all these guys. Even in the minors, uh, just throwing out Jordan Wicks as a as an example, that guy's ERA is not good, and he has terrible defense behind him in South Bend, you know, and he's he's a legit prospect for the Cubs. So pitching is 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 more than just you know the the pitcher versus the batter. The defense needs to step up, and I can't believe that they called all three of those balls hit David Bodie's way <laughs> hits. Uh, but but that's another <laughs> that's another subject. Didn't the Cubs DFA Jonathan VR? <laughs> I oh sorry no hey David Bodie's coming back from you a long long absence you know a little bit of grace there but I had to make the joke Fabian makes that play right <laughs> <laughs> I want to get that in before like the window closes like by the time Michael you know publishes this the backlash to Fabian could be like extremely strong so we can just kind of time stamp these observations that like you know that's okay Okay, now it hasn't been run into the ground yet, oh, right? Or if there's I mean, like we'll a milk, milkshake duck situation, which oh no, yeah, no, don't please don't dig. Nobody dig. Just just enjoy the moment. <laughs> I uh, I thought it was interesting the other night. I mean, kind of pushing Keegan Thompson into the seventh inning, and Ross kind of acknowledging that we got to do this with these guys. And I think we all recognize that Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele are legitimate major league pitchers and very valuable pieces on a pitching staff. And I think we're kind of at that point where we're going to have to see like, can these guys throw more than five innings against the worst team in the majors, you know? And and I think they're to Sadev's point, I think is a great point. Like get some, (laughs) better defense behind them and a more robust offense, giving them a little more breathing room. Maybe you see that and maybe they're kind of naturally uh, moving towards that point. But I think circling back to what Brett alluded to earlier, you know, free agent plans, like 
think these guys will look a lot better with a number one starter at the top of the rotation, a guy who could go into a series that you know is going to win and not kind of have these toss-up games against one of the worst teams in the league when you're at home. Like, if you have a guy you can kind of, like, nail it down and can go seven without, uh, you know, relatively easily and kind of set the tone and swing a series and preserve your bullpen, like, I think that's kind of where things are heading. Like, the Cubs shouldn't be, like, you know, throwing parades for having guys who can give you, like, five innings, but those are guys you can build around, no doubt. I mean, we've these guys have been at it for a while now and have been getting uh, pretty encouraging results. Boom. That is exactly what I was thinking. Uh, you know, if it, it may seem counterintuitive, but the more that guys like Steele and Thompson establish themselves as capable members of the rotation, the less I think you go into this offseason thinking like last year, God, we just got to bring in so many guys, just got to take so many shots Got to kind of see what happens, et cetera, et cetera. And instead it's like, no, I think you could start thinking about consolidating a little bit and really focusing on adding that front of the rotation guy, that true ace. And I know there aren't that many in free agency, but this offseason there are kind of going to be several guys who you would slot in as the kind of guy that Mooney is talking about. Um, and so I think as the year goes on, the more we feel confident and comfortable that the Cubs have three or four rotation spots sort of not locked down, but you're feeling good. Like you've got big league middle of the rotation ish starters there. Um, that just makes me feel all the more eager to see the Cubs really bolster the front of the rotation, not necessarily focusing on those short term, uh, you know, scattershot, lots of options types. Now, yeah, maybe you bring in some of those uh, reclamation types, for the back of the rotation to compete. You need depth in spring training, all that. I'm not saying you don't bring in multiple arms. It's just that I think the real focus should be on getting that true ace. And I think it really could change our thinking about the pitching going into 2023, particularly given what Sahadev's talking about. If the Cubs have dramatically improved their ability to develop pitching, and we saw this for years on the relief side, but now we're seeing it on the starting pitching side, uh, again, it just makes you all the more willing to say, no, seriously, we. I'm not going to sit through another year like this. There's no reason to because you've built up a foundation and the ability that if you supplement it using money, that, that next year can be competitive. Like I, I'm, I'm tired of people acting like because of where the team is right now, next year they can't be competitive. I just don't buy that. And I think especially when I see starts like those from Steele and Thompson, I think, no, I still see the path. It's just going to take the right moves and a lot of money, which I'm usually, I'm not a bang the table, spend money guy. I'm really not. It's just that where but the those te- are the two biggest question marks about this organization. Y- yes. Yes. They've totally whiffed on the last two free agent classes and they say the money's going to be there well, and when even, the time is right. So that frustration is totally, those skepticisms totally earned. Yeah. And, and frankly, when they have spent, money lately on big they it hasn't always been spent wisely it hasn't always worked out and i know that free agency is fraught in that way so it's not even it's not even like an attack it's just you got to get it right and you got to spend the big money like i just uh, yeah so anyway circling back that is all to say when i see these 
very useful starts from guys that the Cubs have developed internally. It just makes me feel all the more like there is no reason to to sit back this offseason. Yeah, I, I mean, I've been saying this over and over again. I don't think there's ever a reason to sit back anymore. You just got to... Well, you, can I... Can I just say what I mean? I'm not, I'm not yeah. saying, I'm not saying sit it out or anything. I'm saying even an off season like we just saw from the Cubs, where they committed like two hundred million dollars, right? Like in new money, right? But it was clearly more of a we're set. We're still in the process of setting ourselves up for the future because we don't think this team is going to come together in 2022. We we saw that too, and so I don't think they were wrong in that regard. It's just I think there should be more aggressiveness with a specific eye on 2023 this offseason. Okay, gotcha. Okay, that's fair enough. Yeah, that and honestly I think you know <laughs> you may be disappointed if it if if the focus is uh trying to win in 2023 with uh some contracts that may hurt them in on the back end. I I'm not sure if they're at that point. I don't know. We still don't know how Jed acts in any in that situation in general like say say this is still a team that if built as expected as they hope is like uh, clearly a playoff team in 24 and uh, a powerhouse in 25 I we still don't know how he acts when he has that team on paper right we don't know we don't know how he treats an offseason how how aggressive he'll be uh is he the type that's willing to win a bidding war and go over what even he thinks is reasonable you know he's like okay yeah the budget says this i mean not the budget the the numbers say this the computer spit this out but we need this guy we we need a, a guy like this on our team to kind of not to push us over the edge but you know this is a team that's going to win um and we want we just want to solidify all these spots is he the type of uh team president that's going to do those types of things like theo epstein did and now gets right back to sometimes the money isn't always well spent but sometimes you just need to make that move sometimes you need to make a few moves like that uh to kind of really solidify areas create the depth and and put guys uh, bring in the superstars. They kind of push everyone else down, like a Keegan Thompson and Justin Steele. They're not being relied on. I mean, Ross made a comment last night, basically saying that Steele and Thompson have kind of been those guys, right? That they've leaned on to kind of get them through tough moments. That's really harsh to put on them, right? I mean, great that they've at, at times have stepped up, but. I mean, to Patrick's point, to Brett's point, they they need a guy at the top of the rotation. I 100% agree. I don't know what this talk of money is rolling over to next winter. I mean, that that doesn't make sense to me. The budget is the budget, you know. They, I don't think they all of a sudden have more money to spend next off season because they didn't spend it this past off season. Well, that's there's just that's literally what just he said, money. Just FYI, like he literally said there was money in this year's budget that didn't get spent so it can get spent next year so i mean i i i've seen i mean but that's just money that's just money that was there. like there's but money it's, there's it's the reserved. budget i mean it's like any organization some organizations have a use it or lose it budget each year and some reserve the funds so if they generate i guess I don't so if they generated like, you know like so if 200 million or whatever and it's like here's your budget of 200 right. million and you spend 150 that fifth, that remaining fifty million, that's like literally in the bank, can be spent 
the following year or spread out over the next 10 years, whatever. I mean, it's more sophisticated than that, but it's, I guess that makes sense to an extent, but is the, is the overall budget, the CBT, the first threshold of the CBT, or can they push past it? Cause they reserved money and now that, and now they can push past it. Yeah. That, I mean, that's which the, doesn't make sense to me. That's, that, none of that I, makes sense. Like, well, it's it, just like you either have an overall budget. We're not going past the first CBT threshold or, or we are or you have this much money to spend. But right? if you have an extra 30 million laying around, if you've got the Tanaka rollover funds laying around, <laughs> it, 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 the answer to the question is, is the you know budget is the CBT. Well, if you go over the CBT, f- let's say that the CBT level was the budget, right? If you go over yeah. it, well, you've got an extra 30 that you can use this year, but so you can't go over it by more than 20 or whatever, you know, like there is an answer sure. to your question. I'm not saying that. I guess. I'm not yeah, saying I'm not sure. know that. Yeah. I'm just saying there is an answer. We just don't know what it is. Yeah. I guess I just don't really know exactly what that money is and what it, if it matters. Right. Yeah. Okay. He, he didn't spend all right. that he or could how much have last, uh, last winter. Uh, if it's not, if it doesn't allow them to go over like if suddenly they're now allowed to go over 230, whatever the first threshold is, uh, then maybe that matters. But if it's still, you know, this is where we top out at, then I don't like it doesn't really matter to me. Get get to the threshold. Spend like a big boy club. Right. Like this isn't you're not St. Louis where you have to really count uh, count your money. You're not Tampa Bay. You're not uh, Milwaukee. This is, you know, this is the Chicago Cubs. Just just spend like like the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and then fans can't complain about that aspect of it uh when it comes to pitching development I, I mean there's been all this talk about Keegan Thompson's slider and and as nice as it is to see on gifts and and pitching ninja go crazy about it he's thrown it 24 times over three starts right he's gotten eight swings on the pitch four swings and misses all four of those swings and misses have been on pitching ninja I think so I mean it, it looks really good when guys chase it uh I think the bigger aspect is the big picture thing the Cubs continue continue to show that they can teach guys new pitches that that they can bring into games and execute and execute them well. I don't know if this takes Keegan Thompson really to another level as much as uh, him staying healthy, him staying confident, his mechanics staying in line, and him being aggressive with the fastball really is, is the reason why we've seen him dominate of late. But I think the fact that we continually hear about these stories, whether it's in the minor leagues or the big leagues now with Moscos added to the, to the staff, they have three – you know, four uh, guys that really know what they're doing when it comes to uh, pitch design, uh, how game planning, all this stuff. It, you need to continue that development as these pitchers come up and and continue to really hone these guys' craft and 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 become quality major league starters. And it, it, I think that's a big sign. I think that's bigger than just the slider itself. It's that they are able to do these things that teams like the Astros and Rays have have done for years now, and finally the Cubs are catching up. And I think a great sign, and I mentioned this in a piece I wrote, is that it doesn't take five, six, seven years to implement all these changes. The Cubs, Moscow's just arrived, and he's already had an impact, right? Tommy Hadovy's been a, a really successful pitching coach for this organization. But you look at the Yankees, who two years ago uh, 
nobody would have said this is a good team when it comes to pitching development. No, nobody would have talked about that organization. They, they were that was a problem, in fact, with the organization. Now they're a shining example. Now they're they're one of the organizations teams point to and say, "Oh, they're they're right up there with Cleveland when you talk about pitching development." So these things can change. Their philosophy changed, and they can change. It can change quickly. So the narrative is starting to shift with the Cubs. They need to continue to produce guys, and and they need to get their own, you know, uh, Clay Holmes and Nestor Cortez juniors to really show show fans that hey, look what we can do. It's not just small uh, bumps for these guys. We can turn uh, a solid starting pitcher into an all star. Uh, we can get a prospect nobody's heard of and and turn him into a, a key cog in a in a playoff rotation. Uh, that's really the next step. What would to, for fans to buy in? I think for media to buy in, for people that aren't in the organization to really buy in. It's time to get those results and really see what, what what's happening. And and you're seeing the baby steps with Steele and Keegan, but but you want to see more, right? Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Just want to circle back quickly on the money question. I think it's important to stress that, like this is not normal. This is not standard operating procedure in baseball professional sports. This idea of like rollover funds. But at the same time, I get what Jed's saying and that he doesn't spend time worrying about that because they've cut this down so far to the bone that there's almost nowhere to go but up. I think it's about (laughs) 90-something million on the books for next year, according to roster resource. So within that narrow sense, there isn't much of a restriction for next year. They can do a lot of things, period. This is not really coming down to ownership uh, this particular coming offseason. Uh, it is the several off seasons that kind of led up to this and some of the decisions coming out of the pandemic. But there is uh, whatever that amount of rollover funds, assuming that does exist. Uh, I'd also be curious to note or wonder. Uh, they also say that our budgeting process always comes down to the end of the year and we kind of see what our gate numbers are and what our TV numbers are and what the state of marquee is and how the subscribers are and how everything else is coming. So like things are fluid in that sense too. And you know, the Tanaka funds is the most um, memorable example. Uh, We can also look back at after the 2015 NLCS, that surprising run and the playoff gates and what they saw. I mean, that, was an adjustment basically between the GM meetings and the winter meetings of kind of coming together 
with the financial side, um, kind of the accounting department, whatever, of putting that in place and spending way more than they thought because I remember the look and tone on Theo's face when he checked in or when he got to the GM meetings, wherever they were, whatever resort in like Florida or Arizona or California. And he was, his demeanor was not someone who was like, I'm going to spend whatever, uh, hundreds of millions of dollars in free agency. It was waiting for the TV deal. That was going to be the magic bullet. And then something changed in that short window when they saw how good that team was in 2015 and what they thought they could do. And then clearly the, you know, TV magic bullet did not come in terms of like fixing or kind of, uh, you know, reimagining the budget for baseball operations. Yeah. I think just, just quickly, if, if Pat, Patrick, you said it's 90 million approximately for next season. I mean, uh, according to roster resource, um, not including some of the other luxury tax stuff, but they've got like yeah. 94 million, including, um, some buyouts, uh, and so let's say a like hundred million or something like that. Yeah. And no I mean, huge if, arbitration. Yeah. It's not like the KB Javi arbitration classes. Right. Up. Like it's pretty. So, spare. I mean, you could, you could easily do two 25 to $30 million contract deals, right? Like bigger deals like that, two of them. And basically one is will be negated after the end of the year with Jason Hayward's contract coming off the books. So so you can do two of them and still budget for more to spend in the following offseason. And and that gives you plenty of room this offseason to do two huge deals and then build depth and solid pieces, two-year deals, whatever it is. And and you you're, you're not hurting yourself in the future, really. You should have plenty of flexibility. Obviously, you have to uh, – take into account you know certain guys are going to hit arb who can you extend who can all that stuff right but i'm just saying it, that's two big deals you can you should be able to get away with this offseason without stressing about being handcuffed financially in the future yeah that, I mean, that, I, that that helps a lot yeah i think the the caveat to that is what you said it's always the you know you look at a single year and you think okay well, they got 100 million they can spend and it's like Yes, but the very best free agents, the ones who cost thirty million, they cost thirty million over eight years, not just one. Right. And so, the, you're you know, this isn't an apologia for how the Cubs will choose to spend this offseason because clearly, I I think there should be a commitment to some of those deals um, where you absorb the you know possible losses at the back end of the deal because you're trying to get uh, you know dramatically improve the team at the front end but i also think in tandem with that mooney's point is well taken that it on the one hand while it can be true that there are rollover funds that increase the amount you could spend in a given year we don't know what the revenue picture looks like this year i mean right. look at the ballpark consider the tv landscape and it's not that hard to imagine that it might be another rough, uh, you know, maybe not biblical losses, but a, another rough revenue year compared to what the Cubs expect in the good times. And so it might be that those rollover funds merely make next year's budget uh, adequate as opposed to like uh, beefed up. And so I think that's going to be a consideration that they'll never talk about publicly. And, you know, the the money stuff, it's like I get why. Jed is very cagey about it because there's just no advantage to him whatsoever to tipping his hand on what they're going to spend. And um, I, 
you know, you find it frustrating as someone who wants to try to extrapolate and sort of make educated evaluations of what the Cubs can or can't do. But we've seen this now going back to Theo's led front office. Sometimes you just aren't really going to know until the shit happens. And then you're like, okay, now I can see where they were, how they were viewing things. Um, because most off seasons, they kind of talk about things the same way. And you, so I do think we will learn a lot about the financial state of things based on what the Cubs do do this off season. I think it's just going to be a whole lot harder, not impossible, but harder to have a great sense on a lot of these things that we're talking about until we actually get into the off season and we see, okay, they are re-pursuing uh, Carlos Correa, or they are looking at those front of the rotation starters. Two years, hundred million, Jacob Degrom, do it. That doesn't hamstring you at all. See, it's off the it's off the books in two years. <laughs> do it. That's all. I I mean, those types of deals I think are are the ones that Jed would love. Like, I don't think Jed minds spending money. I think he really has a hard time giving out years. Uh, and you know. That's the type of stuff that I, I think we may see uh, in, in like a, a year or two from now, uh, a couple off seasons from now. But I, I think the money aspect is something he's not he's fine with. He like I said, he, he doesn't you, you got to look at you got to look at it as how will your hands be tied financially? How will his hands be tied financially going forward with any deal like Marcus Stroman doesn't hurt him in any way? Right, he can spend. He he's free to spend without thinking too much about that deal. Uh, the, it's minimal impact. Say a Suzuki's deal, right? What is that? Fifteen a year, uh, CBA wise or uh, CBT wise. So, not not something that impacts what he's doing tremendously. Uh, so th- those are the types of deals that you look at and you're like, okay, that's fine. And and when I talk about spending big money, that's kind of what I mean. I mean. It, they can do a shorter deal at really big money, a couple shorter deals, and they need to hand out that one big deal, right? They really, I mean, we've talked about this so much, but as, as I mean, pitchers don't get seven, eight-year deals. So it would be a lo- like a longer deal is four or five for a pitcher, right? If you get someone to six, that's that's the elite of the elite at, at a young age, right? Uh, that's probably not going to happen. But it, it's I'm talking about the shortstop. I mean, if they go out and get a shortstop, it's going to be one of those bigger deals unless – yeah, unless something weird happens, but that that's and and you know it's a conversation for another time since we're close to wrapping this up. But I I mean it, it kind of ties back to the beginning of what we were talking about with the defense. You get that shortstop, suddenly your middle infield defense is awesome, right? If you get Correa, you have a great defensive shortstop. Probably the way he's played shortstop this year, probably the best defensive second baseman in the game and Nico and and you're just like locked down your pitchers feel so much better about uh, you know about g- giving up contact uh especially on the ground i mean that's that just completely changes the look of your rotation and and the way your pitching handles things yeah cuz i mean otherwise you know we're going to hear the you know maybe the cubs are rolling it over for Shohei Otani <laughs> or you know Juan Soto's another year closer to free agency. Like you can't, Just you keep can't building wait. up that bank. Yeah, yeah you can't yeah. wait for like the perfect <laughs> free agent. You know, it's like at a certain point, like this is going to flip from. You know, it was so raw like last year. 
the, that trade deadline, which I think people largely, once it got to that point, understood. I mean, I think we did that fan survey where, you know, it was pretty uh, substantial percentage-wise, you know, number of people who were like, yeah, I get it. Like, they had played so poorly and it collapsed so fast that it was like, okay, we get it. This year is kind of that transition year. And it's like next year, if we're, you know, sitting in our respective whatever basements podcasting talking about this of like well you know they did get a meeting with Shohei Otani a long time ago and they were the only <laughs> NL team and the oh, only yeah. team in the Midwest like that's gonna be a really bad sign for where this is going so I think they need a kind of more of a uh, shock and awe type offseason to really kind of re-energize things uh not just externally but internally too I mean, Sada, if you see it, like, it's not that it's like a bad environment. Like, guys are playing hard and, like, the coaching staff is professional and they are kind of going after these small victories. But just like, I don't know, uh, another, there are only so many times, so many mulligans you get to kind of reset in this matter. And it's not, it's not unlimited uh, grace period here. And there's a bit of a chicken in the egg, too, where you can't say, well, you know, we're going to spend, when we're doing really well and things are rolling financially and it's like, well, you can't get to that point until you get the good team and you might have to spend to get the good team. And um, sometimes you just got to pay for the chicken. So, uh, or, or you realize that you already have a star defender down the left field line in Fabian and you just <laughs> convert him to the infield. So we'll leave it there. Uh, thank you, folks, for listening. This is On to Waveland. It's the Cubs podcast here at The Athletic. I'm Brett Taylor. Catch my stuff at Bleacher Nation. That is Sadiq Sharma and Patrick Mooney. Get theirs at The Athletic. And I hope you all have a very safe and happy and healthy 4th of July weekend. We will be back at you next week. And, uh, yeah, take care. Go Fabian. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.